So let's begin with definitions first. We're going to study the nervous system. And the nervous system is one of the most complex systems that we have in our body. And one word, one word is related with the nervous system. Control, regulation. Nervous system, as well as endocrine system, they are the controls. The control center, if you remember in the very beginning, we talk about homeostasis and how the body controls and regulates all the functions. Well, nervous system is one of the places where this control happens. Endocrine system also. Endocrine system will be studied later in 40B, I mean in 20B. Um, and communication, communication, because the nervous system contains many components and cells that are going to communicate, send signals to other cells of a body, so this regulation will happen. And those communications are signals that may be electrical and or chemical signals. That's the importance of the study. <clears throat> of the study in, in the very beginning, we studied cell physiology, we, we studied mechanism of transport across the membrane, simple diffusion, active transport, passive transport, osmosis, the electrolytes, the sodium, potassium, electrical charges, uh, all the chemistry review and cell physiology review that we did at the, at the beginning is going to be useful to understand the mechanisms that we're going to study here. So these signals <coughs> that the nervous systems use are very quick and specific and the response is immediate. When you think about moving a muscle it's about milliseconds from the moment that the signal comes, it starts from your brain in the neurons until you move the muscle. <clears throat> it takes like milliseconds. Very quick. And that's thanks to these signals that are electrical and chemical at some point. Nervous system can be understood in the way of a system with three components. And this is a basic idea of a system that is studied not only in biology or in physiology, but also in other uh, disciplines, like in, when we study uh, systems and computer systems, programming, these are the same principles. We have an input, we have an integration, and we have an output. It's like the computer, the input device is the keyboard. The integration happens in the CPU, in the motherboard, the circuits. Motor output, you have the display, the screen, where you see the, whatever you're typing, or the printer, output device. And that's how we, in computers, uh, we use the term I.O. device, input, output device, because it's the same idea, input, integration, and output. For the case of the nervous system, we have this example in this diagram. The sensory input, like the eyes, we see something and we receive actually a light signal that enters to our eyes, to the retina. And from there, it connects to nervous pathways and it's going to 
a certain part in the brain. And that's where the integration happens. We receive all those signals. My brain interprets what the light means, what the shape means, and my brain interprets that in terms of an image with sense, with meaning. And then, if it's a signal that is integrated in the brain, the appropriate output may come. Like if I see a glass of water, the integration center in my brain may say, I want to drink that water. And the response will come as an output to move the muscles of the upper limb to grab that glass of water and drink it. So if you analyze all the things that we do during the day, everything is in terms of input, integration, and output. Even a thought that we may have, that may be the input. We think about something, we remember something from yesterday, and according to that, we react and perform an action. So that's how we have, uh, understand the nervous system in general. And the input in the nervous system is information gathered by sensory receptors. We have these uh, components of the nervous system called receptors. We detect changes inside our body or outside our body. Inside our body may be like we feel pain or outside hot, uh, when the weather is cold or hot. Integration, we say it happens in the brain. Processing and interpretation, that is the job of the brain. The control center, integration, processing. And the output is a response that comes usually through effector organs that are muscles or maybe a gland, like a sweat gland. Now, going to the classification of the nervous system. The nervous system can be described as two parts, two main parts. Central nervous system, we use the letter CNS to abbreviate this, and peripheral nervous system, or PNS. Central nervous system, there are two organs that are components of the central nervous system, the brain, and spinal cord. These two are organs of the central nervous system. And they are located, going back again to the first part of the course, in the body cavity called dorsal body cavity, cranial cavity, spinal cavity. That's where these organs are. Here is where integration happens. Interpretation of all the input all the input that we receive from the receptors. And the second component or division is the peripheral nervous system. Peripheral nervous system is composed of nerves. Nerves that come out or the, from the spinal, from the brain or from the spinal cord. And we can Describe some nerves called spinal nerves are the ones that come from the spinal cord and cranial nerves that come from the brain. They are going to bring the information, the output, the input, because central nervous system is brain and spinal cord. How the signals get there 
through nerves that bring the output. How the response will come out of the brain and spinal cord? Through nerves. So peripheral nervous system is made of nerves that carry the input and the output. And we can see it in a graph like this, the central nervous system, brain, spinal cord, in the axial part of the body, in the peripheral nervous system, cranial nerves, spinal nerves, and there's one more thing that we mentioned here called ganglia. What are ganglia? Ganglia are, can be seen as little dilations at the beginning of each spinal nerve, and they contain neurons. There are neurons in the ganglia. We'll see what type of neurons they are. But they are part of the peripheral nervous system, ganglia, because they are in the spinal nerve. Okay, now going more to the PNS. <clears throat> the PNS, or peripheral nervous system, has two functional divisions. And they are called in this way, sensory and motor. There's another word for sensory, which is afferent. And for motor, efferent. And there's, another, uh, there's even another word that we may use to better understand. This will be the input. The sensory afferent division brings the input. And the motor or efferent will bring the output. The sensory division contains nerves, we said. And these nerves can be called fibers. When we talk about specific composition of the nerve, we will see that they are nerve fibers, which are parts of a neuron, which is the cell of the nervous system. Well, these fibers may be of two types. One type is called somatic sensory, and the other type of fiber is visceral sensory fibers. Somatic because it brings, or these fibers bring, impulses, signals coming from the skin, skeletal muscles, and joints. Somatic fibers. And visceral, because they come from the visceral organs. Input from the visceral organs, like stomach, lungs, kidneys, Every input that comes, or from somatic or from visceral uh, fibers, will go to the nervous, the central nervous system as the input. And the motor division or efferent division brings the signals from the CNS to the effector organs, which are, we said, muscles and glands. And there are two divisions also here. The somatic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. That's regarding the motor division. 
The somatic nervous system are fibers that bring impulses from the CNS to skeletal muscles. And as we have seen in the last chapter, skeletal muscle is voluntary. So this is how we control our muscles consciously. We move the muscles because we have an idea. We consciously move the muscle. Somatic nervous system takes care of this. All these fibers coming from the brain and spinal cord to the muscles. And the autonomic nervous system contains visceral fibers or visceral motor fibers. Remember, these are divisions of the motor uh, part. And these motor fibers, they are going to control smooth muscle, cardiac muscle, glands. And we know these type of muscle are involuntary. So this is a nervous system that is involuntary. We're not conscious of this. Our heart is beating 80, 100 times per minute. We don't even notice about it. Our intestines are contracting right now because there's food inside. We don't even notice. We breathe and we're not even conscious of that. So all these functions are regulated by the autonomic nervous system. And this autonomic nervous system has even two more subdivisions, sympathetic and parasympathetic. We will study that with more details later in a different chapter. And for, for now, remember that these two, sympathetic and parasympathetic, they're always working, opposing each other. What sympathetic does, parasympathetic undoes keep the balance in the functions. One example, sympathetic nervous system increases the heart rate. Parasympathetic decreases the heart rate. So these are parts of the autonomic nervous system. And to better understand all these divisions and subdivisions, we have this diagram that starts up here with the two big components of the nervous system central nervous system and peripheral nervous system with a list of the components that we have described. Now we have expanded the PNS in sensory and motor divisions. And we just said that the motor division has two components, somatic nervous system and autonomic nervous system. And even more, we just said that autonomic nervous system has two subdivisions sympathetic and parasympathetic. So that's how the nervous system is organized. This is a functional uh, division. Now let's see more about the tissue, the nervous tissue. Nervous tissue the main unit of the nervous tissue, the main cell of the nervous tissue, is the neuron. This neuron has a characteristic. It's a cell that we call excitable. It means that if we stimulate this cell, 
this cell will respond doing something. And that something will be production of electrical signals. It will produce and transmit electrical signals. There are different uh, uh, experiments in physiology where we get a neuron and we use a micro needle, a micro um, catheter, which is actually a needle, very fine needle, and we touch the surface of the membrane of the neuron, the mechanical stimulus. And the response of the neuron is production of electricity, it's very small amounts of electricity, and that electrical signal will travel along the membrane of this neuron, transmission of the electrical signal. These are characteristics of just the neurons. And there are other type of cell in the nervous system, as part of the nervous tissue, which are called neuroglia or glial cells. They are cells that will wrap, will help um, the neurons in many different ways. They are like the connective tissue of the brain, these glial cells of neuroglia, or neuroglia. And they have a lot of different functions. We'll see uh, the different functions of the neuroglia. There are four types of neuroglia. Astrocytes, microglial cells, ependymal cells, and oligodendrocytes. These four types of cells called neuroglia are located in the central nervous system because there are other types in the peripheral nervous system. Astrocytes, microglial cells, ependymal cells, and oligodendrocytes. The astrocytes, <coughs> they are the most abundant. They are highly branched, as we see in this diagram, the astrocyte, what it does is send projections, send, it sends projections of the membrane to the neurons, as we see here. There's like many, many projections that wrap different parts of the neuron. And also send projections to blood vessels, capillaries. So they help for nutrition, they help for support. They're very important for the neurons. These are some of the functions, support of the neurons. <coughs> Since they connect to capillary blood vessels and to the neurons, they play an important role in exchange of substances between the blood vessels and the neurons. And here is something that we call blood-brain barrier. Blood-brain barrier. The three Bs, blood-brain barrier. Which is the concept of how the astrocytes protect the neurons from things that circulate in our blood. These astrocytes, they help young neurons. So during growth and development, when children are growing, the number of neurons are increasing, and most important thing, they're establishing new connections. And those new connections 
seem to be guided by astrocytes. They control the environment of the neurons, chemical environment, and participate in the main function of the neuron, the information processes, processing in the brain. When we hear about brain tumors, say someone has a brain tumor, well, the tumors and cancer, they derive, you know, from cells that are normal and they turn malignant. Well, in the brain, if there's a tumor developing, that is usually from astrocytes. So the technical name of many of these tumor or brain tumors is astrocytoma because they derive from astrocytes. There's no cancer of neurons. The neurons don't turn malignant. Why they don't turn malignant? Because they don't divide. The neurons enter into stage G0 of the life cycle, or the cell life cycle, which the neurons are functional, but they are not dividing. They are not getting to mitosis. So there's no chance for these neurons to turn malignant. What happens with the brain tumors, they derive from astrocytomas. They are the most abundant type of cell, as we said here. Astrocytes are the most abundant type of cells in the brain. The second type in the central nervous system are the microglial, microglial cells. These are very small cells, very small, but important because they are going to be the defense. These cells, if there is an invasion by a microorganism, these cells will turn into macrophages, into cells that will eat up all these invaders, microorganisms, like an infection, like a meningitis, encephalitis, by bacteria or viruses. These microglia cells are going to defend the nervous system. And as you see in the graph, uh, these cells are located there in between the neurons sending projections and standing there to defend them in any, any problem. Third type in the nerve central nervous system is called ependymal cells. These cells are located in special places in the brain. In the brain we have, and we'll study that in the next chapter, we have a central part of the brain called the ventricles which are central cavities inside the brain. The brain and the spinal cord, they derive, going back to the first weeks of development, uh, during the embryo stage, the brain and the spinal cord develop from a tube, and that tube arrangement remains until the adult. So we see the brain like something solid, it's actually not. In the central core of the brain, there is a cavity. Well, that cavity is called ventricle. And inside is where we will find ependymal cells. What they do, they produce CSF. That stands for cerebrospinal fluid. Cerebrospinal fluid is made inside these cavities, the ventricles, and they have a very important function. It, this fluid 
besides being a physical protection because it's going to circulate around the brain, uh, it has nutritional support, it has many things that uh, will help the nervous system. These cells, as seen in this diagram, they are ciliated. You have cilia on top. And they are located again in the central cavities of the brain and spinal uh, cord. The fourth type is called oligodendrocyte. Oligodendrocyte is also a branched cell, but main function of the oligodendrocyte is to wrap nerve fibers, to wrap the central nervous system nerve fibers, providing insulation. And that wrap is made of a lipid called myelin. Myelin sheath, we call it. And in the graph is shown as this blue material that is wrapping the nerve fibers in yellow. It provides insulation. And it's made of this lipid called myelin, a sphingolipid called myelin. The nerve fibers are part of the neurons and they are like wires. They need insulation, like the copper wires that we have in our wiring system and electrical system. All of them are isolated with plastic or rubber material. The same way, the rubber material, plastic, will be the myelin in the case of the nerve fibers. Those four are neuroglia from the central nervous system, but there are more in the peripheral nervous system. In the peripheral nervous system, we have two types of neuroglia. Satellite cells and Schwann cells. The satellite cells are cells that surround neuron cell bodies in the PNS. And in the graphic, in the diagram of the central and peripheral nervous system, remember we mentioned the presence of ganglia in the PNS. And we said there are neurons in the ganglia. Well, these neurons in the ganglia are surrounded by satellite cells. And they have the same function as the astrocytes in the central nervous system. We saw in the central nervous system, the astrocytes are wrapping, connecting these neurons. Well, in the PNS, in the ganglia specifically, the satellite cells surround the bodies of those neurons. And the second type is called Schwann cell. The Schwann cell is equivalent to the oligodendrocyte. It has similar function. So it will wrap nerve fibers with myelin. Besides the Schwann cell, has a very important function in the regeneration of damaged nerve fibers. We know that neurons cannot divide, they cannot be replaced if they die. 
But if we cut the nerve fibers, that's that part of the neuron that brings the signal, that can be regenerated and can be reconnected if the neuron is not dead, of course. So there is some regeneration of the, the nerve fibers. But the neurons cannot be replaced. That's how the satellite cells look like. They are wrapping the body of the neuron in the ganglia. And the Schwann cells, the Schwann cells are cells that provide this layer of myelin to wrap the nerve fiber. But it happens differently than the oligodendrocytes. If you see the, the, the drawing of the oligodendrocyte, this layer of myelin is continuous. There's no gaps. But here, there are gaps. Because each of this packet of myelin is one cell. So these cells, they wrap the nerve fiber in the PNS, leaving some gaps. And now let's go to the neurons. The neurons are the main cells of the nervous system. They are the units, structural and functional units of the nervous system. They're very complex, high specialized cells. They live the whole lifetime of a person. They don't divide. They are amitotic. Few exceptions we say because there's always, and this is something that sometimes we don't, we're not conscious, but it should be noted that there are stem cells in all tissues of our body, which are cells that help to replace adult cells to certain limits. In the neurons case, the norm is that the neurons die and not replaced. In some few exceptions, some neurons may be replaced with a few stem cells that are located in the nervous system, but not, that's not the rule. Same as in the muscle, there are stem cells in the muscle that may replace some of the muscles, uh, cells that die. And the neurons, since they are very specialized, they are very high metabolic rate, meaning they need lots of oxygen and glucose. They are working all the time all the time, even in our sleep. We dream because the neurons are active. They're not so active completely 100% like in the daytime when we are with our eyes open, with our ears receiving all the signals from the external world, but they're still working. And that implies a high consumption of energy in terms of glucose and oxygen. So the neuron has different parts, and we're going to see in um, this picture. Let's see this picture first. This is a, a, a drawing of a neuron. And we can describe some parts. First, the cell body. The cell body, which is that part that contains the nucleus and organelles and all the components, the main components of the cell. Here's where we see the nucleus. We see um, organelles that we call chromatophilic substance because under the microscope we see it with certain color. 
and but what it is is rough endoplasmic reticulum. So remember from cell structure and cell um, uh, composition, the organelles, one of them is endoplasmic reticulum, which has two components, rough endoplasmic reticulum and smooth endoplasmic reticulum. The rough endoplasmic reticulum is, is associated with ribosomes, and it's implied in the production of proteins, synthesis of proteins. So the neuron produces and makes a lot of proteins. That's why we can see this rough endoplasmic reticulum like a colored substance. Mitochondria, lots of mitochondria in the cell body, a lot of energy required. And then the process or projection called the axon. The axon is all this long fiber, and that's the tame fiber. When we say nerve fibers, we are speaking about axons of neurons. And we see the axon that is wrapped by myelin. But we see gaps. Those gaps are important. They, they are called myelin sheath gap or nodes of Renvier. We will see that they have a specific role. And finally, the end part of this nerve fiber it's called axon terminals because usually there are many branches and that will connect to another neuron, perhaps, or muscle or a gland cell. So going back to here, let's see things that are in the neuron cell body, there's things that we were saying. Um, the body or soma or perikaryon, the term perikaryon means peri around carrion nucleus. So it's a substance or part around the nucleus. So here in the cell body is where the proteins are synthesized, chemicals, neurotransmitters, we will call them, rough endoplasmic reticulum. Sometimes there are pigments in the cytoplasm. There are some neurons in some parts of the central nervous system that look dark. And in the body is where these neurons receive connections from other neurons. Some other neurons will connect to them, putting uh, their terminal axons to the bodies of these neurons. The axons of the neurons may be really long. The bodies are located usually in the brain and the spinal cord, but the axons, they are the main components of the nerves. And in that sense, the places of the nervous system, central nervous system, where we find the bodies of the neurons are called nuclei, which means groups of neuron cell bodies in the central nervous system. Or, since we have seen uh, uh, in the first graph, we say the ganglia, there are neurons here, and this is PNS, with the ganglia is the term that we use for groups of cell bodies in the PNS.
The axons are also called processes because they project from the body of the neuron. And those axons, also known fibers, we call them nerve fibers, are organized in different ways. In the CNS, central nervous system, the neuron processes consists in cell bodies and their axons. But in the PNS, it's mainly just the neuron processes. In other words, the axons of these neurons uh, in the PNS. Now all these axons, all these axons and short projections or processes are organized or either in tracts, which means bundles of processes in the central nervous system, or grouped in nerves, which means bundle of neuron processes in the PNS. Now these processes that we've been saying are of two, two types. One of them is the axon, which is a very long process, but the dendrites is also a process which are short. And again, we see this graph. The dendrites are shown here. These are the short processes that we see here. And the long process is the axon. The axon that goes very, very long, sometimes up to one meter long. Imagine the distance of your spinal cord, which is usually the level of your waist. That would be the last neuron in the spinal cord. And from there, that body of that neuron has to send an axon to connect to the muscle of your leg. So that was about a meter long. That's why we say the neurons, the axons of the neurons may be very long. Maybe you're shorter, uh, depending on what connections they are involved. So the dendrites, the dendrites, they are short processes that are coming out from the cell body. They are the receptive region of the neuron. They receive the input. That's how the signal arrives to the cell, through the dendrites. The dendrites brings the input. And send the signals to the cell body. Those signals are called graded potentials. In the next lecture, we'll talk about these graded potentials, action potentials, which is basically electricity electrical signals. And the axon that has this long, long, uh, it is this long process, and it starts in an area called axon hillock. Going back to this graph, we see the axon hillock here. This area that connects the body to this axon, that is the beginning of the axon, and it's called the axon hillock.
Actions may be short, sometimes absent or very short, and the actions, as we said, can be as long as one meter. The end of the axon is branched into axon terminals or also known as terminal buttons. And what is the function of the axon? Well, the axons, what they do, is they are they are like the wire that sends the output, actually. They generate nerve impulses. When the neuron produces electricity, starts an electrical signal, that is created there in the axon hillock, at the beginning of the axon, and it starts traveling along to the next neuron, perhaps. So the input, the dendrite. The input gets to the body of the neuron, which is the control center. And what comes after is the output. And the output runs along the axon. That's how the neuron works. The same idea or arrangement or at the very beginning when we described the nervous system. Input, control center, output. That's how the neuron works. Input, the dendrite, body is a control center, and the axon uh, sends the output. Questions, comments to this point? <coughs> Ten minute break. Okay, let's continue. So talking about the axon of the neuron, we need to talk now about the myelin that is wrapping this axon. The myelin is a lipid, we said, and um, the main function of the myelin is insulation. But it also has an important function, as we say here, increase the speed of the transmission of that impulse. So when the electrical signal comes from the neuron and travels along the axon, if the axon has insulation, this type of insulation will increase the speed of transmission. Following this, there are fibers which are covered by these myelin sheets called myelinated fibers. There are other fibers in some other parts of our body that are non-myelinated. They don't have these myelin sheaths. And therefore, the impulses travel slower. An example of this is nerve fibers that connect to the smooth muscle of our intestines. Those signals, they travel slow, not as fast as the fibers that bring the signals to our skeletal muscles, which are myelinated. We'll see different, what are the values of these uh, speeds and compare, but the rule is myelinated fibers, they the transmission is faster than the transmission of non-myelinated fibers. And who provides this myelin? The Schwann cells. This 
neuroglia of the PNS. It wraps the axon. It wraps the axon. This cell wraps the axon like a little roll. And that's what we see as a one segment, one pack of myelin. And that's the reason why we see gaps, the pack and the gap, the pack and the gap of myelin, because each pack is one Schwann cell. And actually what, what we have is myelin is the membrane of the Schwann cell making many, many turns around wrappings of, of the cell. And which is expressed in the diagram as this. See the Schwann cells, it starts wrapping the axon and um, after many times, many turns around, we have this final arrangement in three. It's just a Schwann cell that is making, going, making a roll, wrapping many, many times that segment of the nerve fiber. This process of myelination happens during growth up to six, seven years old, kids are doing in their brains, nervous system, all this myelination process, which coincides with the learning time. So connections, myelination, those are very important processes and aspects of the growth and development. And what is the myelin made of? Lipids. So lipids are an important component in the diet of children. Of course, not in excess, but it is very important. The gaps in between the Schwann cells are called myelin sheath gaps or nodes of Renvier. That was the old name. They call them nodes of Renvier. But little by little, we're abandoning that practice of using names of people for anatomical structures. So the nodes of Renvier are better called myelin sheath gaps. This is a little graph showing these packs of Schwann cells in red with little gaps note as the nodes of Renvier or myelin sheath and gaps. And what about the non-myelinated fibers? Well, actually they are wrapped in myelin, but not like these fibers that have many turns and coils of the, uh, of the Schwann cell they receive usually a very little one layer or just the Schwann cells in contact. That's why we say it's not myelinated. It's not wrapped many times. It's just probably covered once and, and that's it. Those are non-myelinated fibers. In the central nervous system, and we saw this before, the oligodendrocytes, are the ones who provide this myelin. And just to compare here, this, this picture is showing the different arrangement. So these fibers are wrapped continuously. There are no gaps here. These are oligodendrocytes providing myelin to wrap the nerve fibers in the uh, central nervous system. The gaps will be whenever these oligodendrocyte ends and a different oligodendrocyte starts.
not like as close like in the peripheral nervous system are. So talking about this myelin, it's what gave us the difference, and we'll see that when we study the brain and we make sections and we see brains, uh, that there are two different types of substance or how this tissue looks uh, in the central nervous system because we talk about gray matter and white matter. White matter at regions of the brain and spinal cord with dense collections of myelinated fibers. So we say white because it's myelin. <coughs> and if there's myelin, the myelin is wrapping the nerve fibers. And the nerve fibers in the central nervous system are arranged as tracts. Gray matter, we see it gray because those are the places where the neuron cell bodies are. And fibers that don't have myelin around. So that's the composition of gray matter and white matter. Gray matter, the bodies of the neurons, white matter, all the fibers with myelin, covered with myelin. Now let's see the classification of the neurons. Neurons are classified according to the structure and according to the function. According to the structure, we can differentiate three types. Multipolar neurons. Multipolar because they have three or more processes. Understand by process, axon and dendrites. In this case, one axon and the other processes will be dendrites. This is the most common type. Multipolar neurons. Most common type in the central nervous system. Second type is bipolar with two processes, meaning one axon and one dendrite. Examples, the retina in the eye, nerves or uh, neurons in the olfactory mucosa, or the smell sense, those are bipolar neurons. And the third type is called unipolar. One process that has the shape of a T, letter T two axons, also known as pseudo-unipolar. Where are these neurons? These, are, these neurons are located in the ganglia, in the ganglia. And there are three diagrams here to show these um, structural classification of the neurons. We have the multipolar. The multipolar, uh, we said, many processes, meaning one axon and many dendrites. Bipolar, one axon and one dendrite. And unipolar or pseudo-unipolar, we see the cell body here. And from the cell body, we have this T-like axon that has two ends. 
this end will be the receptive end and this other end will be the there will be the input here and the output will be this end that's what we see here down here in the functional relationship the trigger zone will be here and the impulse will travel in this direction bipolar from here to here multipolar this neuron receives many connections from many different neurons through the dendrites but it also only sends one signal down So multipolar, bipolar, and unipolar. Multipolar are the most common type in the central nervous system. There's another view of uh, these neurons. They have different appearance. Like multipolar, and we have two examples here. This cell is from the cerebellum. It's called Purkinje cell. And you see that it has a lot of dendrites here, many dendrites. All of them connect to the cell body. And from the cell body, we have one axon, multipolar. This other example is called pyramidal cell. This pyramidal cell is located in the brain, in the cerebrum, which has many dendrites, not so branched as the other type, and one axon. Both are multipolar because they fit the definition. Many dendrites, one axon. Bipolar, we have two examples of olfactory cell and retina cell in the eye. And this is the unipolar in the ganglion. That ganglion that we saw in the picture is called dorsal root ganglion. And we see the cell body and the peripheral process, like a T-like fiber where the receptive endings are here and the signal will come in this way and the functional classification of the neurons are in two sensory neurons and motor neurons there's also a third type sensory neuron the one that brings the impulses from the receptors and go to the CNS. These sensory neurons, almost all of them are unipolar type. And where are the bodies of the neurons? In the ganglia, in the peripheral nervous system. Those are the body neurons that we see in the ganglia. They belong to sensory neurons, which are usually unipolar type. Second type of neuron, functionally, is a motor neuron, which bring the impulses from the central nervous system to the effector organs like the muscles. They are mostly multipolar, and the bodies of the neurons are in the central nervous system. And the third type is called interneuron. Interneuron because also known as association neuron, 
they connect the motor and sensory neuron. They are the connection between neurons. How this works? Well, this works in this way. You have, for instance, here one neuron, which may be a sensory neuron that brings uh, signals from the receptors. But then this neuron brings or connects to the central nervous system. The impulse comes in this way. Then in the central nervous system, there are different number of neurons, not only one. And they connect to each other. And then they send the output, a motor neuron that sends the output to a muscle, let's say. Well, these neurons in the central nervous system, these three neurons, they are the interneurons. They connect the sensory and motor neurons. So when the signal comes to the central nervous system, it will connect to many neurons. All those are interneurons. From there, the response will go through the motor neuron. So those neurons in the center that connect sensory and motor, they are called interneurons. They are in the CNS. And we have to hear some examples of these neurons, multipolar, bipolar, and the unipolar, which we said most of them are sensory neurons. Okay, questions, comments?